one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. The show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, bus driver. Exploring the entire school transportation universe. Talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Hey Bus Driver podcast. Uh, We're going to just keep trying to get these out as we can, so thank you everybody for joining us again. Chad, thanks for being here. Uh, how always. is yes always yes we tried to do this on what day was that Sunday I guess you were having a little yeah. meltdown with the beef jerky did you get it figured out or what yeah yeah we had a had an issue with the, the smokers and uh, trying to get those going got two of the three up and going efficiently and started making some jerky did so you pay your electricity some, bill or what like just forget. Yes, I forgot to pay the electricity bill, Jason. So I hooked up a bicycle and a generator, and he pedaled for six hours to cook it. Seems like good exercise, anyways. For him, yeah. I sat inside. Good times. I had to pedal. He had to pedal faster because the football game was on. Yeah, but what I don't understand is why we're if I, I you said you weren't on the payroll, so why why were you out there being the I guess the mechanic? Shouldn't he be learning that? I'm a good dad, man. Like, seriously, what are you, what, what am I be like? Hey, you get out there and do it. I'm sitting here and watch yeah, football. Yeah, fair but enough. Yeah, I'm a good dad. Of course, I'm going to help him. Well, we managed to get it back together uh, today. So uh, Tuesday, we're going to talk and try and bring up everybody to speed on where we're at with the uh, EV market and the electric buses. And I think a lot's been going on since, um, well, when whenever the last the grant award came out just recently. And I think the last time that we talked about EV was what last year, maybe June, maybe even before that. So do you remember? Yeah. I don't yeah. remember. It's been a while. Yeah. It has it's been, been a while. Kind, so, of a, kind of a hot topic, but it died off quickly. Once everyone submitted their, you know, their uh, grants and whatnot, it kind of, the topic died off fairly quickly, but it's yeah, come back like around the, because there's a, I think it was a year ago. Cause we're, didn't we, we didn't really talk about it, but it was at ASBO last spring in April. We were hearing a lot about the grant preparation and the window was going to open anytime soon and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess just really kind of Chad's going to be the kind of the go-to guy here. So what what do we know? I mean, yeah. really, I'll try not to irritate you. You already said don't. Oh God, me. do not irritate me today, please. <laughs> I'm the only one here. Because usually when you irritate me, I just get quiet. Oh, is that it? And then, yeah, and the other person. So talks when you're not talking, I know that you're irritated. Pretty good bet. Yeah. Got it. Okay, fair enough. So, anyways, I really, I mean, where where are we at? I know that um, the first round's been awarded, and we're into to round two, and it seems like uh, there's some different protocols that went into place for round two. So, I mean, really, can mm-hmm. can you kind of Bottom line, me high thirty thousand foot level. Where are we at with uh, the EV market right now? So to keep it basic, 
the first round was where you were your school located or your rural school, you know, that type of thing is more of a criteria base, I guess, if you will, kind of like the VW funds. The second round uh, is going to be more of a, uh, let's call it telling your story, right? It's going to be more it was of a like narrative. essay based. Like you had yeah, it's narrative a, based. Yeah. Write it's a it's book. more of an essay based. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, you know, I know we, We've hired grant writers at RWC that are very, they do a very good job that like that's one of their specialties is the narrative base or the, the essay based type grants. Certain that Bluebird's all in, you know, Canyon and, and the ABCDF is doing their part as well. Um, so there, there's options for schools out there that aren't familiar with this type of grant writing, or even if they're familiar, they can utilize someone else to help help uh, polish, I guess, their essay, if you would. You know, even if you're a good, you're a good uh, essay writer in high school. You know, I mean, if you've got a professional writer next door, take it over there and let them polish it for you, if you will. But so yeah, it's going to be more of a essay type uh, grant this time versus a black and white. Here are the numbers, which. Which actually, surprisingly, there's a few schools that get or didn't quote, quote, unquote, qualify for the grant. And they had to go out and self-certify themselves to say that we are, we do meet these requirements. I had a couple of my districts that did that and uh, they ended up not getting it. But it's kind of surprised by the lack of grants uh, awarded in Arizona the first round. I didn't see. I, I didn't see pretty, very many. I saw lists that uh, had, you know, had I don't know, less than what ten maybe that got got awarded. I feel like. Yeah, there wasn't many. I but don't know. It was really also. It's also interesting to me that I think a lot of people that, and even this might, might be nationwide, but how many people registered or applied for it and didn't realize exactly what they were applying for potentially. I think a lot of people thought they were going to get a free bus and free infrastructure, but didn't necessarily understand that it was only funds for a portion of it, realizing like Mm -hmm. actually how much a brand new electric bus costs. And so that they had to come to, I guess, come to, you know, come to the table with some additional funds in order to close that gap. So, um, yeah, it's, I think, out east, some of the lesser spec states, they they were it was a much smaller portion they had to you know pitch in. Out here, it's substantially more with AC and some of the other, quite a few of the other features that we have in Arizona, Nevada, that area. So it uh, yeah, you're looking at like just for example, one of ours is four fifty and change, four seventy five and change after tax. Well, you get three seventy five, but but I also had districts that I told them, I said, listen, if I could get you a 77 passenger bus or a 66 passenger bus and I could get it to you for, say, $75,000, would you take it? I'm like, yeah, absolutely I would. Okay, then apply for your grant because that's where you're at. Yeah. You get three, five, you pitch another 75000 you have a new bus. Sure. You know, and if you don't want to go that big a bus, go with the, spe- the special needs bus, you know, the sped ed bus that, with the rear lift, just like a stock bus, but you know, it's a 54 passenger body, 130 mile range. Go get that. 
you know, and then that way you can dip your toe into it. You're not going full out with 77 passengers. Do you have a couple again, of districts already that are, that are, I guess, purchased or that you've dropped on, I guess, made delivery? Yeah, I've got, I've, well, I've got three buses sold, electric buses, but they're not delivered yet. I think like a lot of people, it's a slower process. It's a whole new process. There's, whether it be supply chain issues or, you know, I know one of the things I that was on mine a few months ago was an engineering issue, which was quickly addressed, you know, something that just one of those little things that was overlooked for Arizona, quickly addressed, done, moved on. But it, it did, though, you know, a week of a delay into it, you know, maybe 10 days. But, uh, yeah, it's totally new for everybody, even if you – built 500 or 800 or 1,000 electric bus. It's still new because it's changing all the time. It's there's a constant. And if you're still building it the way you did the first bus on your 1,000 bus, you're missing a lot. Yeah, you definitely should uh, be constantly updating, changing, moving with the program because there's so much new technology, so much new you know, battery technology and motor technology and whatever. Just even like the simple things like your relays and whatnot. I mean, those are ever changing as well, getting better and improving and batteries will as well. I mean, battery technology is going to, I'm curious to see where it's at five, 10 years from now. Oh, I would imagine that just like anything, I mean, you buy a, a, you know, remember buying plasma TVs, you know, what was it? It feels like 10, 15 (laughs) years ago. And those things are long gone. And now, you know, you can get an 80 inch TV for, less than a thousand, you know, a couple thousand bucks, maybe, you know, something like that. So I think just with the market of anything, any technology, just even look at it, school bus advancements in the last 10 years, um, you know, everything that's been added to it. So I I think, I mean, obviously batteries, the range is probably a big one. Um, Obviously here in Arizona with air conditioning and some of the other factors of the extreme heat, right? How's that going to wear on? Um, actually, AC doesn't draw draw that much off a of battery. I heard, all you're heat, running, I heard all you, heat actually draws more. Is that correct? Yeah, it takes more energy to create the heat than it does to turn a compressor and a fan. I mean, that's all you're doing on, on the air conditioner part. You're turning electric compressor, and then you're, you're blowing your fans. That's it. So on the heat side, you have to use that energy to create heat, which is a lot. takes a lot of energy to create heat being going through your coils or whatever it is so yeah it, uh, the heat is a bigger draw on it than the than the ac is it um but you know it's the one thing i did want to touch on today was was battery technology you know i mean everyone just thinks everybody has the same battery whether it be cars or buses or trucks or you know whatever it is there there are differences that's one thing people need to look at because there's cycle life cycle life is to me the key you know range obviously important but on a battery you can kind of determine the range i came up with a very vanilla uh, southern engineered way of figuring out what your range is going to be just based on what i'm hearing through the industry on Bluebirds and Tom, well, Thomas didn't count. Bluebird, Lion, IC, <clears throat> even like our Green Power bus that we have. You take your kilowatt hour on your battery. So say you have a 150 kilowatt hours. 
okay? You have 150 kWh battery. What I'm seeing industry-wide is 0.64. So 0.64 miles. So take 0.64 times your kilowatt hour on your battery. So whether it be 155 or 215 or 310, like we have a 310 battery. Take that times 0.64, and that should give you a pretty good indication of where your mileage is going to be. The only one, the only one I found interesting, and I've, I have yet to ask anybody, and I know enough Thomas people I could ask, is I noticed on Thomas's website, they're actually advertising less than that. They're advertising 0.61 miles per kilowatt hour. If you do the math, the 228 battery they have, plus the mileage that they're predicting or claiming, it, it comes out to 0.61. I don't know if that's because they run a two-speed transmission where the rest of us are pretty much direct drive. I'm assuming that's part of it. I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. But, but also, your range, important, but your battery makeup is important. Like you have a lithium iron phosphate battery. You have a lithium nickel, what is it, nickel magnesium cobalt battery. Like the connections and, and, and whatnot are important to do the research on that ask your, your dealer what type of batteries they use because cycle life. And everyone's always worried about, one of the main questions I have is how much it costs to replace the battery? Fair question, because you're gonna replace it. Just like an engine, if you ran an engine long enough, you'd have to replace it. Well, like your certain battery types actually have longer life cycles. In other words, like say 5,000, you charge it, drain it 5,000 times. Others are two to three to four thousand. Well, that's where it, that's where it's important. Unless you have a exceptional warranty, which I know Thomas, I see, I think Green Power, I believe Line also will go up to thirteen year warranty on the battery. Definitely worth the money. So make up so your range is important, obviously, with anybody. Your charging station will help support that range. So even if you've got a 130 mile range bus, make sure you have it and you're going to run it twice, right? Throughout the, in the morning, and the afternoon, you don't have much time to charge it in the afternoon, get a better charger. Don't go cheap on the charger. That's so important. It, it happened at the beginning where there were schools from all manufacturers, Right. Well, I say Bluebird and Icy. I don't know about Thomas. They were having a horrible experience with their electric buses. And it, again, it's both of them. So they go, this is the stories I've heard. They're, you know, What they found was these people went cheap on their chargers. They, they didn't have a good charger support the range they're trying to get throughout the day. If you're trying to rush a charge, you're trying to, I mean, you're not filling up a tank with fuel. So Chargers super important. Talk to your dealer. Get you know, get contact information from them from another company that can provide you with an outline of like these are the two chargers you should consider because they know those people know better than we do. That's that's what their job is. We have a company uh, in charge that I will refer to. I'll say here's the bus they're getting. Here's the range they're looking to drive. Uh, here's their facility and you know, what here, give them all the information 
and they'll come back and say, yeah, they need 19.2. It would be more than enough. They need a 30, you know, a 30 charger, 60. You know, I've got one school that bought a 60 kW fast charger, DC charge. They charge that bus completely full from empty to fully charged. And I think it's like two to three hours on our three battery system. That's a fast charger. It's getting why, after it. Why wouldn't most districts like purchase, like just make that kind of like the immediate thing? I would think that like, having a fast charger would be like, an, you know, I don't want to sit here and wait eight hours for my bus to be able to be charged or not, not necessarily be fully charged in between routes. Like it seems like, again, I get what you're saying, but pony up the, the don't, $60, yeah, don't stamp on the, on the charger. Right. And, and really, you know, make sure that you're, you're supporting or getting the, I guess, quote, the best fuel for your, um, you know, for your bus to keep it, keep it up and, and get the, the most use out of it, I guess. I really, I, I've thought about that. I really think it's human nature. And have a hard time like swallowing how much money it is. And so they, they try and just find the, <laughs> the best price. Well, well how, how many, how many things, whether it be your house or hobbies, like say mountain biking, how many times I'm going to get into mountain biking. Do you go out and buy the, the $4,000 specialized or do you go out and buy the $700 Specialize and like see how this goes. And I don't if know you if start it's really... me, I want the baddest and the best. So yeah, I would. I don't, probably go I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> I don't believe that. Yeah, you know, like you know, I'm gonna take up a new hobby. I'm gonna go. What's the most expensive one you have? I don't buy that. I don't. I mean, if you haven't had, if you haven't done it before, you, you go good, but you don't go great because what if I don't love this? Or what if this isn't gonna be a fit for me? Well, I'm the type of person that researches and reads a lot of reviews from other people. So, I mean, yeah, I guess. Well, and that's part of that's the next part what's, of the problem. What's the old saying? Buy once, cry once, or cry once, buy once, buy once, cry once? Man, I don't know, Jason. You're concerning me. <laughs> Am I that's, annoying? It's really, I want to I be a bottom dweller. Like, when you're done with all your hobbies, you call me first. I want to okay. buy the stuff on the cheap. Yeah. Cause I know you've got the best. I, I am the type I'm going to get into this like RC cars. Me and my kids got into RC cars years ago, electric RC cars. Actually me and my first round of kids got into them. I bought a nitro and bought them the cheap electrics. But anyway, so I'd, I'd buy like, you know, a decent one. And I, like you, I do my research, read a lot about it. Okay. This one's good enough for what I'm doing. Well, then next thing you know, I, I went from the $350 car now I've got an $800 car. Now I've got an $1,100 car. Now I have a wall full of parts and all the hop-up gear and like the best controller because I love doing it. But if I didn't enjoy doing it, I could have still let $300 car been done. But I, I think that that's part of it. People aren't – I actually had some schools that didn't factor that in, didn't factor in the charger. They, yeah. they, they didn't think about it because they don't know, right? I mean, it's, sure. it's, not, it's not a fault of theirs. It's something new. And a lot of us are learning on the fly. And that's where it's important that you reach out to the people that like we do it constantly. We're talking to people about this stuff constantly. And we have material that we've read, that we've studied, that we look at. Like I I nerd out about it and sit here and seven o'clock at night, I'm surfing the internet looking at electric bus stuff. Well, I think that also and goes I've, back to you know, if people aren't paying attention to that, that's the same people that probably applied for the grant thinking, oh, I'm going to get a free bus. And after they got awarded, realized that they 
still had to come to the table with X amount of dollars in order to close the gap to get said bus. And oh, and then oh, by the way, I need the charging station. You know what? You say that, you'd probably be surprised how many people in this industry that um, don't understand transportation that well and what they need to bring to the table, whether it even uh, be a diesel or gas or propane or an electric. I am definitely not surprised at that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> coming from, you know, coming from it and understanding like how many, how many people on the operational side of things just don't understand transportation world. Right. But that's why they hire people like us to, um, you know, figure it out until they, a- you know, research and, there's a few of them in charge of that department that don't quite get it either, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've, I've in the past, I have had directors happen more than once. Had directors that wanted to spec at questions, whether it be low horsepower, whether it be, you know, whatever it is. And I told them, I, I'm not selling that bus. I'm, I'm not going to do it. Or, you know, they want, say, propane. You live in the hills. You're, you're going to hate this bus. It's going to be my fault. Or they want this AC instead of that AC. So I said, you know, listen, I'm not comfortable selling this bus like this. I mean, I'll do what you want to do, but I want to make it known that I I don't want to sell you this product because you're going to be unhappy and it's going to be my fault. And when you leave, you go to another district two, three years down the road, the new director comes in. It's my fault. All the drivers are complaining about this. It's my fault. It's IC's fault. It's it's our boss. It's, you know, whatever. I'm not going to do it. And typically you can convince them to listen and really, oh, this school district does it this way. It's worked out great. Here's the phone number. Give them a call. You make your decision. But I, I really don't want to do this for you because yeah. you're going to hate me. Your drivers are going to hate me, hate our boss. It's not going to work. So I've actually pulled out of a couple of deals and, I told them I had to ask my boss or run it by him. Listen, if they come back and say they want to buy this this way, I'm not selling it to them. So, and he gives me the he gives me the leeway to just pull the trigger and do that if I yeah. because I don't want it to be the last bus I ever sell. Right. No, and that makes sense. I mean, you're looking out for the best interest of of the customer, and so I think that's it's smart. Um, but I do. I and admirable. Go, they, go, use yes. the word admirable also. Ad- admirable. There you go. <laughs> Not admiral, admirable, admirable. Admirable. <laughs> uh, so I want to go back to the the kind of the the charging, if you will. Like, mm-hmm. what do you know about? I, I guess like the charging stations that are out publicly available. Like, can can is are we at the point yet where we can roll a school bus up to a you know universal charging area to like a gas station or a I don't know Walmart or whatever and and get a charge or is that something that's not there yet? Um, you can, it's going to be like, you know, eight hours hours. before you get it. Yeah. It's your, I mean, unless, unless you've got one that's set up with a fast charge, you know, the high, the high powered, they're coming. They're, they're slowly getting there, but majority of them that you're going to find, they're just readily available that have been there for a while. They're going to be a little bit slower charge, but the connection side, it's pretty. I think everybody uses a universal connection that you can plug into anybody's charger, um, unless it's a Tesla. Tesla's got their own your own thing going on. But I believe Thomas, I believe Bluebird. I know I see theirs is universal. You can plug in anywhere except a Tesla. 
And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's a long way to go on the infrastructure side, a long way to go. And we all knew that was coming. You know, you get the product out there. We also have to have the product out there to support the need for the infrastructure because it is a, it is a business. True. And I mean, I think that's where people, you know, it's almost like testing the product real time, right? Like trying to, you know, figure out how to advance it along enough where, again, advancements in batteries, advancement in, um, you know, charging stations and availability of charging stations and really making the, you know, the ability to, you know, I would think if a bus can drive for a couple hours on a charge and then, you know, they're stopping somewhere to feed the kids and they can get an hour's worth of charge to continue on their trip, then it would make, you know, make a lot of sense in my opinion. But I mean, right now we're, we're talking about like, you know, I, I mean, I've heard rural districts that are, you know, inquiring about that, uh, about using it. And I would imagine that it would make sense for them for a school bus, maybe within their immediate town. But if they're having to travel, you know, several you know, they're putting, what, a couple hundred miles a day on a on a bus? Like, what is that, you know? I, I mean, it goes back to range and, and how they drive it, I suppose, but um, it just doesn't, it seems like it's something that's still going to meet the, um, you know, the, I guess, the availability or the, uh, whatever the word is that I'm looking for, um, you know, being more reasonable to use, I guess, in the in the urban world than it is in the in the rural parts of the country. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we've got. I know IC has eighteen buses up in British Columbia with the three battery system, which is a two hundred plus mile range. And that district across those eighteen buses are averaging from one hundred eighty five to two hundred twenty mile range, depending on the driver. And they run heat; they run more heat than they do AC. So that's that's saying something. Um, the one interesting story that that I heard from up there, and this goes back to driver knowledge, and I'm looking forward to my buses coming in because I'm looking forward to going and training the drivers and the director on how to drive this electric bus. Like these, these are the things that you need to be aware of. This is how this works. This is how to drive this. This is the best application. This is how you can get the most range out of it. But like um, we have, IC has a three battery or a three stage regenerative braking, low, medium, high. Low is like a weak jake brake, medium is like a good good jake or engine brake, and then high is like your hay hauler on a 550 horse caterpillar, you know, with straight exhaust and you let off problems, bring you down to the stop. But there was a driver, British Columbia, that was getting around 160 some mile range. And they kept questioning her, are you using the regenerative braking? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. Well, then, again, 160, 165, 163, whatever. Are you using regenerative braking? Yes. Well, they finally looked in, caught her on camera. She was not using regenerative braking. And they called her out on it, and she said, well, I'm not comfortable using it. I don't like using it. Like, well, it's free fuel. It's free power. You're getting 167 mile range. We have others getting over 200 mile range you're losing 60 miles of range because of something you're not comfortable driving. You don't like it. It's a requirement. You're required to use it. All of a sudden her mileage jumped up like to 197. It is a big deal. And it's, it's important to know how to drive these buses because it is different than just driving a diesel bus or gas or propane. The one thing that's very cool about them is 
the immediate torque that electric motors and batteries provide, you step on the throttle on, and you, you go. And I've had districts, I've had quite a few people say, well, it wouldn't work for our district because we have hills. Why wouldn't it work on a hill? Well, will they even make it up a hill? <laughs> yeah, they'll drag a diesel bus up a hill. What are you talking about? That's the beauty of electric is the torque. It's instant. It's right now. And I had a school test on, on a route where they come to a T in the road and you're already starting up the hill. You turn right and you're already, you know, kind of the bottom quarter of the hill and you got to turn right and just floor it and get to the top of the hill pretty steep and then make a left-hand turn. And they said they've had diesel buses struggle to get up that hill before and they wanted to test to see if this electric bus would get up it. And everybody on that bus was blown away the fact they turned, put it on the floor, and it shot right up that hill, no issues whatsoever. Like, yeah, guys, that's the beauty of electric. The other nice thing is when you turn around and come back down that hill, you can ride your regenerative braking and put some charge back into your battery. So if, if you're in a hilly area, for example, if you use it and you drive it properly and you use your regenerative braking, you can recapture some of that energy. The kinetic energy goes back into your battery to charge. And those are the differences in driving electric versus a diesel or a gas. You know, I use the analogy if you're if your bus with the engine brake, every time your driver uses that engine brake, it dribbles some diesel back into the into the fuel tank, would you require them to use it? Absolutely we would require them to use it. <laughs> well, that's basically what you're doing with this with this bridge into braking and that kinetic energy. You're recapturing some fuel, if you will. So it's 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 a different way of driving, but it's also like driving a big school bus. It's almost like a golf cart. I mean, I can drive around Phoenix and hardly ever take my foot off the off the throttle, off the pedal, because it it brings you all the way from three mile per hour to three mile per hour to zero is the only time you got to touch that brake pedal. It'll bring you all the way down to three mile per hour. So it's just driver. I mean, just driver training and just getting people yeah, yeah. to understand what they're what they're doing you know and i, and I, I imagine that'll probably be the one of the i would guess one of the challenges right especially for larger districts as they buy into this that you know everybody everybody's trained pretty much the same way but there's so many people that have different methods of you know you've got the lead foot you've got the people that won't um you know go more than five miles less than the speed limit right they're you know mm -hmm. kind of afraid of it or whatever so I think that, um, you know, it's just, uh, again, training and, and re reintroducing a, a, a new product, probably like they've done in the past. So uh, There's going to be a lot to learn. And and, it, and we go back to the charger right. thing, and then we kind of got off track there, but the charger thing, again, was one school said flat out, we didn't factor in the charger. We didn't think about it. Well, because it's new. It's not because they don't. It's not because they're just dumb right it's just new and they were one of the first in the, in the state and they just they didn't really have anybody to rely on which they should have reached out you know and said hey what about this or at least talk to somebody that's why i keep encouraging people call and talk to your sales reps get get other contacts from them if you need to if you're not happy with their answer find out do the research get on google get on you know surf the internet i mean there's a ton of information out there that you can find but do your research and make sure that you're ready um, so you have a good experience because it is something you need to prepare for. It's not like just bringing another diesel bus into the fleet. It's a, it's a totally different product, totally different 
requirements to support it and, and whatnot. So, I mean, you wouldn't go out and buy a propane bus without having your fueling station without factoring that in, without getting the tank set, having that figured out. So, yeah. same same difference. It's a totally well, I different so. type I mean, of I think some do. You know, so I at least I remember one district I worked for, you know, they were very interested in alternative fuels and, um, you know, I think they were open to potentially running, you know, running down to another, like almost like a, a fuel station that had that particular type of fuel and not buying it, you know, or putting building in the infrastructure. So I, I don't think that at that point it really makes a whole lot of sense unless you're like really investing in it. I mean, I think from what I understand, California has, you know, they have a lot of money available, whether through grants or other programs to, to bring in electric buses. So it seems like that state particularly is the one that's really kind of embracing embracing electric buses. Um, well, so that goes back to what I was talking about earlier. You don't jump out and buy the best of everything right out of the gate. You, you're, you, you kind of work your way into it to make sure it's going to be a good fit for you or for your district or for your business or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you, on the other hand, go out and buy the best of everything immediately. <laughs> if I can afford it, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the key piece. Well, there's the next key piece for electric yeah. the cost. Well, sure, and yeah. I guess that's so. I guess kind of my next question, right? Like, what's we don't necessarily we, we don't have to get into the cost, but like the availability, right? Everybody knows that the the bus industry has been way behind on you know buying buying new buses and and being able to build and deliver um, back to the times of pre-COVID. But what I mean, do you see that? The, I guess the build times are starting to kind of get back to where they where they were pre-2020? On the diesel buses, they're getting better, but they're not anywhere close to pre-2020 now. I mean... So what about, were... but what about EV? Like, I mean, I get that EV is fairly uh, new, but are we... I mean, yeah, I was I was getting there. Okay. Stop, Try not to irritate you. Sorry, so sir. <laughs> I mean, do you have a lunch, dinner date or what? Slow uh, down. So... <laughs> Electric, uh, diesel, propane, gas, still getting better. Times are coming down. You know, at one point there's a manufacturer was like a year and a half out, and now they're down to like around a year, a little less than a year. You know, we were, I think we're sitting about seven, eight months out, something like that, if you order one today. Um, so on the electric side, you kind of go back to, again, um, supply chain. I mean, there was a district out in Nevada that ordered a bus from one of the manufacturers that was not us. It was not IC. And it took them almost two years to get that bus. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to point fingers or say anything bad about it. That's, that's the way it is. It's a brand new product with supply chain issues. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. Um, I, I think your electric is taking substantially longer than diesel because it is new, because it's not fully, your factory isn't fully electric factory right you're you're bringing it in the mix with majority diesel some propane some gas and trying to work this that process into a pre-existing factory along with the product the supplies the batteries the motors the all the all the different things that go into it um so yeah if you order an electric bus you are definitely not going to get it around the same time you'd get a diesel or gas bus Got it. It's, it's going to be substantially longer. 
Are you seeing? But I think once it once they get rolling, it'll start to catch up. You know, they they predict that within years, your electric will be on par with the price of say a diesel bus, if diesel buses even exist in seven years. But you'll be on par now. Over the last couple of years, districts or people out there listening will understand when I say this that I thought they meant that the price of electric was going to come down, not the price of diesel buses were going to go up because the price of buses just continue to rise. Yeah, with surcharges and whatnot because of you know whatever the reason. But but uh, so I and also with that, you know the the build time of an electric bus will eventually come into par with the the build time of a propane or gas or diesel. So it'll, it'll get there. It's just slow. It's just getting everything in place, getting the supply chain caught up. You know, they got to dig those mines, get all that stuff first, get it processed, I guess. I don't know. Get it packaged and shipped out. Yeah. Are you finding that more people, more and more people are interested in um, EV or do you feel like it's, or do you feel like it's just the, uh, information of the grants being out there and available that people are, are only interested because of the grants. People are becoming more interested where I've had districts that the transportation director was adamant where uh, it'll be a long time before we even consider electric. You know, I'll come look at your bus or bring it by and I'll take a look at it, but I'm just letting you know it's a long time before we're going to be interested in doing anything with electric. We got our own set of issues right now. We're running plenty of diesel. They're going to last a long time. And then a year later, like, hey, yeah, the school board or and or the superintendent would really like to, to see your electric bus and know more about it. And like, oh, that was weird because just a year ago, you were adamant that you could, there was zero interest. Well, sometimes but, they're, yeah, they're like, the ones that pull, you know, call the shots, right? The governing board. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. The, Again, your governing board, yeah, your superintendent, your, you know, whoever it is, your business manager, whatever, are catching wind of other schools, getting them, their electors becoming EVs or whether it be cars or buses or trucks are kind of in the forefront of news when it comes to vehicles right now. You know, you got GM with their stuff, you got Tesla with theirs, you got Ford, the Ford Lightning, you've got, you know, all these other companies that are pushing out the electrics and the auto shows are electric cars, and you know, a lot of them are rolling out electric cars for their for the, the auto shows, and then so it's it's becoming more and more in the news, and it's pushing people to consider it. And the funny thing is that you look at like GM, for example, even Ford, even they're struggling with getting those cars out in a timely manner. They'll get there eventually, but even they're struggling with whether it be the supply chain or just the process, the build process, or the you know, making sure they're right. You know, coming off the factory floor, even they're struggling. You know, GM's, or uh, the Cadillac Lyric, was it the Lyric last year? Was it the? I can't remember which one it was. Maybe it's the Hummer. They're they're trying to build like ten thousand the first year, and they'd be like four hundred. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. Mr. Mark, but so it's not it's not just Bluebird or Thomas or us or you know whoever, but you know. Uh, there's also new players in the game. You know, like our, we have a green power. We're, we're a dealer for a company called green power. Now that was built from the ground up to be an electric bus. It's not a retrofitted bus. It's built from the ground up frame. Everything is all designed to be an electric bus. Um, up to 91 passenger transit style bus. It's kind of like a coach for the driver, which is very cool. When I get in and I drive it, it feels like a coach bus rides 
wonderfully quiet, turn sharp, very cool bus. Then you're starting to see some type A manufacturers come out with type A electric buses. We actually got a couple, I think, sold already, uh, actually built by Green Power also. Uh, so you're going to see more and more. I know BYD was coming in to be a player. They're a big player in China on the uh, car side. They have electric school bus here, but it hasn't passed safety standards. I don't think it still has passed safety standards. Um, but it, I actually predicted this a, a few years ago when we were talking about it, the deal with electric. Once school buses go electric, you're going to start to see manufacturers from All Japan. Of- all over the world yeah yeah they're gonna they're gonna start it's not gonna be bluebird thomas and ic anymore you're gonna start having challengers and you know it's important to understand that they're new and everyone runs the risk you go out and buy a brand new product you know do your homework do your research and uh make sure that that company's gonna be around for a while you know i mean they they all have some sort of backstory the cool thing is we actually just delivered our first green power to Clark County out in Nevada. And from what I hear, they, they're all over. They really like that bus. So exciting, if you will, it gives everyone another option to, to look at when look at EVs. So um, the, the interesting thing that the ACs on electric bus, you don't think about it, and we didn't think about it, we had a bus down last summer. It was 105 degrees outside. And we had directors and stuff over there, and they were on and off the bus. They were looking it over. Everyone's door was open. Everyone's walking in and out, and it was just in there idling, if you will. In other words, the AC was blowing. But that bus was staying cool. This is 105 degrees in, in you know, Arizona. And I ended up asking the IC engineer, I said, I, I don't understand this 120,000 B2 system. Is seems like it's cooling better than our 186,000 BTUs ducted system. Like, well, it's a different type of compressor, it's a different type of system, and that on your regular diesel or gasoline engine, you have a compressor with a clutch that's kicking in and out. It's it's controlled by the RPMs of the engine. From this one, it's more of a constant type clutch where it's going like full similar speed to like clutch. what's on your house, basically. Yeah, like a CBT. Yeah, so it's it's more of a it's not really kicking in and out, and it's not adjusting like based on the RPM of the... Yeah, I guess you will. So, yeah. So, the efficiency of that AC was pretty impressive, where I'll have a bus coming in the first of the summer electric bus. It's going to have that AC on it. I'm going to pull it aside, along with our diesel bus, one of our new diesel buses with the roof-mounted 186,000 V2 system. I'm going to kick up the idle on it. I'm going to kick it on high. Gonna take the electric bus. I'm gonna hang, you know, a thermometer in the middle, and I'm gonna check the ambient temperature of those two sitting there, with the door open. What's the ambient temperature? Like, is is that 120,000 actually keeping up with the 186, or is it is it beating it? I just I just want proof of that because it felt like it was cooling better than a diesel bus the 186 would. I mean, it makes a lot of so, sense. I mean, makes a lot of sense from. Yeah, from the perspective of how it's engineered and you know how it how it works, because I would imagine, I would imagine the other side of it is that you know it's because it's running off of strictly a battery and not an engine, you know per se that, um, you know it doesn't need 
I mean, you're, you're not you're not worrying about necessarily the bus overheating or anything like that or needing that air to uh, in the movement, I guess, to to cool the radiators down and pass air over. So one thing that one thing we haven't touched on yet is retrofitting buses. They are they are actively companies that will retrofit your school bus with the battery, with the motor, with all the components to convert it from a diesel, conventional diesel bus to an electric bus. We're we're a dealer formed at Sea Electric right now. Uh, we're partnering with them. They actually work with Midwest Transit, which most some people may not know who that is. It's the largest Thomas or I, I'm sorry, largest IC dealer in the nation out of Illinois. I think they have five or six states for IC, and they sell a ton of buses every year. They just did some contract with Electric for something like ten thousand school buses conversions over like the next ten years. So they basically Crazy. pull the motor out and then drop a battery in and convert it. Pull the motor, transmission, fuel tank, emissions, yeah, def def tank and thing. Yeah, and they go in and mount all your controls. They mount your your motor, your battery run it through your differential just like your your diesel bus or gas bus is already running through the differential anyway. Yeah, I heard heard about that the other day. Somebody had mentioned uh, that there was a company out there doing that. So I think that I mean is it is it I mean affordable? It seems like why would you well, take you pay a, why would you four fifty to five hundred thousand dollars for an electric brand new <clears throat> you take a say a say you, you really want an electric bus. You take this eight year old bus great shape everything works well take it send it over convert it and i want to say it's around 200 grand so it's half the price Good. less than half the price yeah now it's super affordable i mean it's, i guess it's you know if a district was really pushing and, and and it sounds like maybe it's a little bit more uh, available than um waiting for a brand new bus to be built potentially i think it'll be i think it'll be uh I think it'll be big once the grant money runs out and people aren't getting grants to pay for $375,000 in electric bus anymore. And it's going to cost you $300,000, fifty for, for a new one. And this, I'm sure the price of this, this service will come down as well, repairing it. So yeah, I think it'll eventually it'll get to where you know, it'll be cost effective. It'll make sense. I mean, it's like, Buying $140,000 bus new or spending $50,000 to put a new Cummins and transmission and whatnot in it. So and I think it'll be on par with that at some point in time. But yeah, it's a, it's a pretty exciting option for someone that doesn't qualify for a grant. Sure. And there's a lot of districts out there yeah, that, that aren't, not. right? And I think that maybe... I don't obviously know that much about the phase two of the or the second round of grants... But potentially, if people are able to write their their story in, you know, where they can, I mean, again, they're still competing with Title One districts that aren't going to have that kind of money that, say, a you know, a larger district might have or a more affluent district might have. So, um, you know, I, I still don't know what the affordability would be unless a district was, you know, passing a bond and, and actually just going out and spending it outright. I think there's a couple districts in the valley that have just just did that, correct? I mean, um, at least one. Yeah, I, I know, think, but I don't know. I won't. I won't, I won't name them, but um, 
you know, yeah. I, I know there's a couple of districts that are already, I think they just bought them outright because they wanted to be the first district to, in the state to, to I think they had a different grant, though. A for Arizona, I believe, is oh, one of the grants. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially. So there, there are options out there. I know when you get, that, that's one thing we didn't cover. If you get a grant for the bus, the 375, it also provides up to $20,000 for a charger. Now, the difference in chargers, you can go 19.2 kilowatt charger. You plug in a bus, it'll charge, say, figure about 10 miles per hour. So if you get two hours of charge at lunch, you're going to get maybe 20 miles of charge on that bus. If it sets overnight, you're fine, right? You park it at 4 o'clock, you plug in, you come in at 7 o'clock in the morning, that bus should be full of charge. Close to full of charge, depending on how far you ran it that next day. So it would be, what, 4, 8? Oh, yeah, you should be fully charged. Then you have a 30-kilowatt charger. Um, charger bus half that time well, obviously half close to half that time because 19 versus 30 but instead of taking 10 hours or 10 miles per hour you're getting say 15 miles per hour and then you've got the 60 kilowatt dc charger that's the fast charger that's the bad boy that you plug in a two battery bus you know a 200 kilowatt battery you're charging that thing from zero to full in two three hours maybe it's knocked out it's not topped off and that but that's also sixty thousand dollars for the charger so you go from two grand, two, three, four grand for 19 kilowatt to 20, 30 grand for 30 kilowatt to 50, 60 grand for 60 kilowatts. So almost you can just figure a dollar per kilowatt on there, whatever you want to call it on the charger. So on the chart, <laughs> on the chargers, do they have, um, I guess, adapters or, or whatnot? I mean, I assume like everybody's not universal. Um, charging plug that goes into the bus correct like what if a district wanted to buy five you know one of each of the electric buses that are currently out yeah, there no, available yeah they they all have yeah, the same plug the, J- the same i believe they all run the same yeah I they all run the same plug because isn't it like bus. tesla like you can only charge at tesla stations or you have to have a tesla plug you can't go to a yeah that's tesla well I, again i don't know i mean i would think it would make sense you know, I feel like was a, you know, you can't plug an Apple an Apple charger into an Android and vice versa. So I can know. now. Can make them go to. They're making them go to the C. No. So C, whatever it is. Yeah, this the USB C plug. Yeah. <laughs> so we won. Is that what you're saying, Chad? Android users won. We won, baby. We won. <laughs> uh, good stuff. <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, it's so. The other thing to factor in, though, is I've actually had some districts look at the smaller uh, 40, 60 amp charger you get from like Amazon. Well, this will work. I, you know, I'm only driving 30 miles a day. I've got all weekend. You know, I, I can keep up with this. Yeah. But the thing that I digging into that when I asking questions that makes sense if you're looking at just the rate of charge, but you also got to factor in your thermal control on your battery. You know, like I know I see, I'm sure everyone else the same way, has thermal control where it keeps the battery at a certain temperature. While it's plugged into a charger, if it's really cold outside, it's going to keep your battery warm. If it's really hot outside, it's going to keep your battery cool. Like it's going to keep that battery at a certain temperature while you're driving it and while you're charging it. That's why you don't want to park an electric bus and not plug it in the charger. Go ahead and plug it in the charger. 
because you're going to draw some power and keep that thermal control, keep those batteries at the ideal temperature. And uh, so that, that draws that draws power. So you're not getting your full 19.2, for example. You may be getting actually 14 instead of 19 on your charge because you're drawing some power to to run the battery, run the thermal control, or run all the components associated with it. So that's something to, to factor in as well. You can't just say it's going to be 19.2 and this one's going to be on the charge. How much I'm getting charged, yada, yada. It's not going to work that way. Got to factor in the draw, too, for the thermal control one as well. Oh, it definitely makes sense. I mean, I didn't even know there was a thermal thermal control on it, right? I, I mean, that's the. I think the thing. Maybe the takeaway here is to to ask the questions, even if you fear that you're gonna sound, you know, dumb for lack of a better word. Just ask, well, right? Ask and learn and and make the best decision with the funds that you have available and, um, you know, what makes sense for your district. I think, I think that's really the main takeaway is, is get educated and learn and figure out, you know, what the next round of things are that are, you know, potentially coming out. Do I want to buy now or do I want to wait? You know, and I think those are some of the, some of the other answers or questions to the answers that you need to, to ask. Well, we were, I mean, in all fairness, we were all ignorant when it came to EVs at some point in time. That's that's not a bad thing. It's a whole new product, entirely new technology. I mean, we were were all ignorant. Some of us have learned or read more, but happy to share the information. So, I I mean, I've asked a ton of questions. I mean, you've asked a bunch of stupid questions today. I'm an idiot, so I will... (laughs) I will... (laughs) Admit that, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I truly want to ask. I guess maybe, maybe ask the questions. And I feel like, you know, there's, there's people that I think they get in a room, and they, you know, for fear of maybe embarrassment or whatever, they don't want to ask the questions, and so they, they hope that somebody asked the question that they're thinking, right? So that's all we're doing here is just trying to kind of poke around and see what we know and share out some, you know, maybe some learnings that we've found in the last less than less than a year, truly, um, of where things have advanced and where they're at and where, you know, where they're kind of going. So, um, you know, I think the there's a takeaway here of, again, you know, you want to, you're interested in it, you know, ask your vendors to bring it out. Let's, you know, or go, go to them and go, go take test drive, see what, you know, what it, what makes sense and what's available, what, you know, how does it work for your current, um, you know, neighborhood or your market or your community, right? I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of governing boards and superintendents and the community members that, you know, kind of pushing that um, that green that that green agenda, I guess, if you will, and they want to make sure that, you know, hey, if we're if we have this to take advantage of, like it's our it's our duty to, I guess, educate them on is this a reasonable and you know um i guess verifiable option for them to you know to purchase and and instill into their their community so well i've said this for a long time school bus the school bus industry is the perfect application for electric vehicles absolutely perfect application you dictate how far that vehicle goes in the morning you dictate how far it goes in the afternoon, has the opportunity whether it has the opportunity to set or not. 
you know, whatever, but you dictate the mile range and where that bus goes, how far it goes, when it comes back, how long it sits. It's available every weekend to be charged. It's available every night to be charged. I mean, it's the absolute perfect application for electric vehicles. Yeah. You have, you have the parking lot, you have, you know, the organized parking lot where bus one parks here and two parks there, three, yada, yada. You've got the charger, you've got the room. You're in town, you know, all this, well, other than a handful of schools are in town, right? You're, you're in the hub where you can get the power. Uh, you're close to the service departments for the most part. Some people not so much, but, but it's the perfect application. You know how much you're hauling weight-wise. You know where you're going every day. And let's say you get, you've got a fleet of 20, you get five electric buses. Yeah. <laughs> I had one, I told one director, actually I had two directors say this to me. So you have a bus of 10 mile range. Great. We have one route that's 193 miles. Well, it's not a challenge. We're not saying push it to its limits every day. That's, that's, I would tell you, yes, it probably could do the 193, but don't do the 193. It doesn't make sense. First of all, you're degrading that battery's life faster. The more times you drain, drain it down and recharge it, that you're, that's a cycle. You yeah. may have four to 5,000 cycle life, right? So four to 5,000 times and that battery's going to be toast or it's going to need replaced. So don't do that. Also, I've been pushing people, look at the, the special needs buses, keep them close to home. You can sit in front of the school while you're waiting on the kids. It's not idling, but the AC is still on. The heat's still on, right? You're still keeping it cool, not idling the vehicle, not creating emissions from the diesel bus or whatever. I think there's some schools, I don't know if it's Arizona, but you can only, I know California, you can't idle for more than what, like five minutes or something. Yeah, I well, think there's. Perfect. They have some rules there um, about, I, I think, yes, in California, but also here in the county, Maricopa County, they have some some rules around idling. And, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to – I think there's some, some other language that goes in there. I'm not exactly sure, but I think for, like, special needs buses, they're allowed to they're – like, they're basically allowed to circumvent that rule or – whatever if you will because of the 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 special needs students that are on board so and and and, you know the the one thing so so your school district you buy these buses you dictate this route is 100 miles per day this this bus runs 130 let's push it we've got this over here that runs 80 day let's put on that one right so you can dictate which route that bus goes on again battery technology everything will grow mileage range is going to grow charging time is going to get faster that's down the road right now Let's put on this one around 80 miles per day. We're ahead of the game all the time. And you can dictate where those buses go, how many miles they run, or what route they're put on. The next thing to consider that I'm certain most people haven't is if your district is getting an electric bus, make sure you contact the people that are going to be towing that bus. It will need towed. Diesel buses need towed. Gas buses. I mean, they all need towed at some point in time, or there's a chance that will. Make sure they know you have an electric vehicle. You have an electric bus. Contact the fire departments in your city, your surrounding area. Let them know you have this electric bus. Provide them with the information that's usually provided by the manufacturer to them. This is the the fire suppression. This is how you take care of this bus in an emergency situation in a crash. So just make sure everybody 
involved knows you have this bus. Everybody that's going to be involved in something bad that might happen, make sure they're well aware and they have the information they need to act accordingly to whether it be a wreck or breakdown or whatever. Just make sure your community is also informed of you having this vehicle. It's not just, look, we got electric bus, you know, give us a pat on the back, we're green. It's also doing the right thing, making sure the people, the first responders and the tow trucks and whatnot know that you have this vehicle so they can be prepared if you call and say, hey, our electric bus just got an accident and it looks like there may be there's smoke. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the first time they heard of you having an electric bus. It's going to be pretty hectic, and it could be a pretty dire situation. Or if they go, hey, the electric school bus is in an accident and there's smoke, they can grab all the materials that they need to help take care of that accident and take it with them and be prepared. You don't want to surprise the fire department or emergency, you know, first responders with the fact you have this electric bus at a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> make, sure they're, make sure they're prepared. Is there, like, markings that are going to be required on that, on, like, you know, kind of, like, uh, I know with some some special needs routes that like transport oxygen students with that need oxygen, they have to like put a placard or anything. Is that something that is a manufacturer's requirement of um, something along you know something along those lines? It's a big blue lightning bolt down the side of them. <laughs> is there? <laughs> no. No. Um, we've actually we've actually talked to them about. I mean, there's obviously some identification, but not like a placard or anything. But we've actually uh, talked to um, EPS about we want to make sure that there's information, you know, electric power on the front or on the back bumper or on the side. You know, we want to make sure it's distinguished that this bus is electric power, number one, for publicity for the school, right? Doing the right thing, going green, but also for first responders and people driving around the vehicle and whatnot. So, but as far as like a placard or something like that, not that I'm aware of, no. I mean, like any other people, they tend to I identify think, what they And are. I think here, I, we're going to talk, uh, I know that you've been avoiding it, but we're going to talk about SB 1630 <laughs> next in the next podcast, but I'm pretty sure in that that new law that just passed, there was some additional language or some additional adjustments to minimum standards that have been proposed to basically add a, another section of minimum standards here in Arizona about... EV and um, alternative fuels. And I believe we were working on it prior to COVID and then it kind of got tabled with the um, school bus advisory council. Now the student transportation advisory council that has yet to be seated. And we'll, again, we'll cover that in the next episode, but. Um, well, I think it's a great idea. I think there needs to be something, even if, even if it's from the manufacturer, right? Like, like on ours, we have this blue, uh, I see has this blue deal on the on the front. It actually looks very cool. It's a sticker that goes on the bumper. It's an electric powered. Has this little plug, and on the back they have it. It's very cool. It stands out. Very prominent. You know whether we do everyone. You know, put, turns their logo blue. You know the bluebird's blue. The Thomas is blue. The IC is blue. But still, that's up. You know, eight, nine, ten feet in the air. Yeah. Like something on the bumper. Something on the side by the doors. I mean, I, I think there should be something. You know, for sure. Yeah. No, I agree. To quickly, to quickly distinguish because yeah, you, we don't need anybody also... getting hurt, and, and you know, I mean, that's that's all the the way to communicate. And I mean, I th- even when you think about just like um, you know hazardous material vehicles, like you know Class A trucks that are moving has hazmat, they have placards that have to tell you what you know what is on board and 
and whatnot. So I could, I could see something like that being, I know I don't know, added or being requirement to to have on there. I will say this that that goes back to the battery, right? Not just cycle life, not just the mileage range, but also the vitality of the what's the word I'm looking for? Volatility? Is that a word? Yeah, volatility is a word. Okay. Yes. So I am. Well, I struggle finding the word. I don't know if smart would be how you describe in that situation, but thank you. But, like, for example, I know IC, and I know this because it's what I work for it. They use a lithium iron phosphate battery. It's actually a very stable, very safe product. It's not quite as, like, it doesn't have the punch. But in a school bus, you don't need the punch because you dial it back anyway. You know, I mean, it's still as quick as anybody, but you don't you don't need all that punch out of the battery immediately because you're you're limiting the power that's delivered anyway but i know the lithium iron phosphate batteries are very stable batteries very safe batteries they're not the type that if you're in an accident it's going to burst into flames and start you know burning children's shoes to charge until they get off the bus it's not that type of chemical makeup so again research it because there are going to be manufacturers showing up Make sure what type of battery they use and do the due diligence, do the research, because it could be the difference between longevity of the battery and also the safety of the children. Yeah. Because no, not everybody's going to take that in consideration. We've all seen the the Teslas in full yeah. flames on the side of the road. There's definitely a lot of research, I think, and a lot of education that still people need to do, right? It's not as easy as just, hey, this is what I want to buy and, you know, um, I think there's, I think there will, honestly, I would be surprised if there isn't community concern from, you know, half of the community that says, absolutely not. I don't want my kids on a, on an electric bus. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's, those stories are out there and people can certainly share, but, um, there are absolutely those stories out there and that comes back to me to educate people that, you know, the stories are unfounded for the most part. Well, I think it goes back to remember when. Well, you weren't here yet, I don't think, but early 2000s, they were pushing um, propane through a government program here in, like, your regular, dis- or, no, it was CNG. Maybe it was CNG or propane, one of the two, um, in in just, like, regular regular vehicle, just a regular passenger vehicle or your own personal vehicle. And, and then when it got to school buses, everybody was like, absolutely not. I don't want to, you know, that's a bomb on the bus. And, um, you know, what if the bus gets rear-ended? The bus is going to go into flames. And, and the whole, I mean, it was a whole thing, right? And, um, you know, here we are, here we are, what, 20, 23 years later from when that, you know, when that phase of thinking and mentality went to. And, I mean, I suppose it can happen, but I don't know of anything off the top well, of my head. It can happen in a gasoline bus, too. It can sure, happen in a bus. I mean, CNG, where I'm out in the Midwest, when I worked for Midwest Bus Sales, we sold a ton of CNG buses out in the Kansas City, Missouri area. Um, ton of CNG buses. I never heard of an issue. Now, they're a bad product. You know, it's a bad powertrain. It takes forever to top it off with fuel. You have to have a whole huge station and it takes all night to top off the tank and it's just not a good product but there's no longevity there's no upside to it other than emissions but at the, even at that point now diesels are so clean emission wise actually less carbon dioxide than a gasoline or a propane engine it's actually it's pretty impressive what they've done but 
we'll get into that another time. But but yeah, I mean, it's like the seatbelt argument, right? I mean, when people find out I'm in this industry, I've been in it for I don't know what 15 years now, however long it's been. I've lost track because I've had so much fun. But I always have people, oh, my suburban has seatbelts. How come my kid's school bus doesn't? Well, it's a totally different vehicle. And seatbelts, seatbelts in my opinion, are a terrible idea on a school bus. You lose five, six kids a year on average in a school bus accident, which is five or six to me. We all agree. <clears throat> but if you have a bus with 30 elementary kids in it that gets hit, flips over on side, catches on fire, it's about three minutes for the interior of that bus is engulfed in flames. Oh. And you have an old man like me driving the bus, you want me to balance on the seats and cut these kids out of the seatbelts with a seatbelt cutter that's going to be dull after about 12 seats? I would say yeah. the majority of school districts probably use it more as a behavioral management tool than they do for actual safety. But Which is just as bad. If you have an accident, hey, you're going to yeah. burn up half a dozen kids because they act up. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, 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 don't love the idea. I don't I don't disagree. How's that? I mean, we, we had them, but... Um, you know, again, it was a it was a fight to get them to wear them, and um, you know. But but it goes back to just like you said, the safety of electric or the safety of propane or safety of CNG. Parents overreacting. Oh, I don't want that, or why don't we have that? Sure. Well, because you don't understand, right? You don't understand how the bus is built, or you don't understand how the the tank for the CNG is built. The tank for the CNG is like a, a live well like a tank. It's like an M1 Abrams. I mean, that thing is rock solid for sure. Force strong as I'll get out for that reason. Every manufacturer takes that into consideration. Some reason that hanging battery side of the frame rail. I mean, they're you know they're protected. You know they're they're out of the way. They're protected. They're there's a lot of thought put into the kids' safety in every school bus. But it goes back to as these new manufacturers come on, what are they doing? Do your homework. Do your research. No, indeed. So we're at um, just over an hour already. Easy. Look at you. You knew you could do it. <laughs> so good, Jason. So, be here. What do you, let's, let's hear your, your final your final pitch of you know why they you know maybe not necessarily why they should check it out, but why they should check it out or you know. No, I think it. every district, even if you're you know, hey, we're five ten years down the road, start doing your research now. Start start following up on it. Start learning about it. Like any new technology. You know what? It may fall in space. You know, it seems like every decade they push propane. Every decade they push propane since what the eighties. Every decade. Bio diesel was the eighties, I think. <laughs> anyway, let's just pretend like eighties was propane also. So they push it propane, and everyone gets excited. Then it slows down. Nineties push propane. Everybody gets excited. It slows down. Twenty, you know, two thousands, two thousand tens. This may be that. Right, it may be a handful of schools that have it. It works well for what they use it for. Is it ever going to be a trip bus? I mean, maybe in my lifetime, but not anytime soon. You know, I hope I live long enough to see it become a trip bus where you get a 300 mile range, you get to the school district, play your basketball game. It's fully charged by the time the game's over, and you get back on the road and head out. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be cool. You know, I have no issues with electric. You know, there's a lot of people. There's quite a few people that or anti-EV, take my internal combustion engines and whatnot. I drive a diesel truck. I love my diesel truck. I'm also intrigued by the electric. I've driven them, and they're fun, and they're, they're nice. Are they going to replace ICE engines? 
right now in the very near future absolutely not no but i think but, you i think well, it's time to start doing your research and learning about it for sure you made a point is that they have a place right just mm-hmm. like diesel will have a place assuming that it's still around um you know in the next decade electric will have a place unleaded will have a place alternative fuels will have a place i think they all have a place in the market so and i think i think school districts are the ideal place for an ev vehicle yeah school bus routes i think absolute perfect application better i can't think of a better application if you can feel free to let me know think about it tonight text me tomorrow let me know if you can think of a better application for electric vehicles than the school district i will try my best we'll put Very a, we'll call a call out into the into the instagram you know we've been um putting out yeah. stories yes. and whatnot so maybe we'll ask yeah. and I know we did ask on one day of how many people have EV or if they're interested, and I think we got some. So um, I think they're out there, and people are people are figuring it out, and they they want to know more. They're starting, you know, they're they're like you, and they're bought in, and they say, yeah, absolutely, we're going to do this. So well, I feel bad for those people. They tune in, they waste an hour of their life, and they probably know just as much now as they did when this thing started. Yeah, we wanted to talk about it, so we're. (laughs) We're, we keep prolonging SB 1630, and that's only pertinent to Arizona. But I think there's some there's some um, importance to the rest of the country. So there's a some lot interesting of information that we can share and, and debate. There's a lot of debate. questions about that. You definitely need to get someone with some knowledge of that, Not strong sure. knowledge, a couple people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's I, I get a lot of questions. I'm still learning about that as well. Yeah, so well, it's gonna be a good. Lot, good it'll be a good podcast, I'm sure. So, Chad, thanks yeah. for the Tuesday evening, uh, spending time with us, and I appreciate your Absolutely. insight and in, input on you know where we're at. And I think we've I think we have a bit more information on uh, you know where things have been, and I think it just continues to to foster the conversations that you know people are are having currently and just more things to think about oh i didn't think about that all batteries aren't necessarily made the same i didn't think about you know just all the different factors that go into it i think you know sometimes people get caught up to to think a yellow a yellow bus is yellow or a school bus is yellow and it has six tires and um you know this is it drives kids to and from school. There's there's so many other factors that go into it. So, um, oh yeah, for yeah. sure. But yeah, everybody, we'll, we'll close it up and say thanks to Chad for joining us. You got one more thing, Chad? Yeah, thank you for having me. But hopefully, you guys gathered a little bit of something on my ramblings. Yeah, no, I think we did, and um, you know, again, like I said, it. I didn't know a lot about it. I still don't know a lot about it, but uh, I can Jesus. definitely. Jeez. I can definitely. I just talked to you for an hour. And then oh, well, that's I what mean, I'm saying. That... I I feel like I'm in a better place. Like I, you know, understand a little bit more. But you know, yeah. I guess being out of the yeah. game a little bit just doesn't give me that whole whole lot of opportunity there. So I guess we'll see everybody soon. We'll try and slap another one of these together on um, the Senate Bill 1630 that passed in June of 2022. So we'll. I don't, I don't know what time. day you plan on doing that on, but I think I've got something going on that day. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll exclude you. That's fine. You can just say I don't want to be a part. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank Have you. Take care. See you. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. 
the show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off.